Hello and welcome to Beauty Island, the award-nominated beauty podcast that celebrates life and lipstick. I am your host, beauty journalist, Brittany Stewart. If you are new here or you just need a recap, each episode I sit down with a guest and ask them about the eight beauty products that have a special memory or meaning for them. The ones they take to a desert island, aka beauty island, that I am sending them off to. Maybe it's the first beauty product they ever bought, the one that gives them their signature look or the perfume that instantly sparks a memory of a special place or person. Along the way, we find out more about their life, career and the people and events that have shaped them into who they are today. Today, my guest is renowned hairdresser and salon owner, Varenia Zaidis. The owner of some of Sydney's top salons, including Valons in Paddington, she not only counts numerous celebrities like Kate, Nicole and Hugh as clients, but yes, she's very much on a first name basis with them too. With almost four decades in the industry, she has so many tips and tales, so it was a delight to speak to her for this episode. We talked about not starting a skincare regime until her 40s and becoming a skincare junkie, why she thinks current hair trends are boring and what she'd like to see, and the face mask that's like yoga for your skin. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify if you haven't already, and rate five stars and even write a review if you haven't already. It takes just a few seconds and those things really help other people find the podcast which as an independent podcaster is just me pushing all the buttons and saying all the words I really really appreciate your support you can also post a screenshot on your Instagram story uh, don't forget to tag at beauty island podcast so I can see I also have a regular beauty newsletter called it's a beauty the link to sign up is in the show notes now over to Renya enjoy Renya, I am very, very excited to be chatting to you for Beauty Island. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm excited too. It makes sense as we kind of take a dive and, and rummage through your beauty memories that we start with the very first one. If you cast your mind back, what's kind of the first memory of beauty that jumps out to you? Um, my Avon. That's going really back. So it's Avon and it's because of my grandmother. Yeah, that's quite nostalgic and it reminds me of my grandmother. So it, it would be Avon because that's all we sort of really had and what we could afford back then. And I thought it was really interesting that you said, obviously, given that you've ended up working in a large part of beauty in hair, that you said that your mum and your grandmother weren't particularly big beauty lovers. No, not at all. Like, I mean, look, they were immigrants that came from Cyprus. So mum and dad, that was the last thing. Mum and my grandma, that's the last thing they could afford. But they always had that beautiful olive skin. But I do remember my grandmother putting just a little bit of olive oil on her arms, on a little bit on her chin, on, on her neck, um, just a little bit on her face. But that's all I remember. And maybe um, a tub of Nivea in the bathroom. And that was it. But my mother, I've never, no, she's never been that woman. So I started my beauty regime probably 40s, mid-40s. So about anything later, a lot later in life, I never felt I needed it. And then it went boom, I needed it. I wish I was, yeah, I wish I started this regime in my 20s, just putting moisturizer on my skin. And I know I, my life would have been a lot easier. 
I love that honesty because we all kind of, we all know what we should be doing, but actually putting that into practice is a whole nother story for so many of us. It's just cream on your face and no one can really do that. So yeah, it just, that's all you have to do. And now I'm 54 and I just smother, I think I go through one bucket every two weeks, one tub. It's like, wow, expensive. And when you think about kind of your your attitude or your relationship to beauty, obviously, as we mentioned, it is such a big part of your life because it's, it forms your career as well. How do you kind of view your relationship to beauty and how has it changed as you've gotten older, as you've said? No, I'm in love with it. I, it's, look, a lot of people are gym junkies. I try really hard. My sons are into that side of their lives, but mine is skin junkie. Like the hair's done because I've got to sell them. That's fine. But my skin is so important. If if I touch it and it feels rough, I don't like it. So I've so, sorted out. I've got a good skin doctor now for my to zap all my um, skin tags. Then I've got my um, a really great woman that does laser um, in Dr. Van's office. I get a little bit of Botox from Dr. Van. I'll be getting um, IPL IPL. Uh, treatments for my skin just get all the marks off and then an amazing facial at onda so it takes a lot of people so i I enjoy i enjoy going and getting things done like that it's not a chore so yeah i've got all that sort of nutted out that sounds very vain i am so sorry (laughs) just realized no not at all it's so full on but it's it's that, that age now you have to or you're just gonna i'm trying to get rid of wrinkles which will never go but just spread them out that's it no, absolutely not um, not vain at all. That's the whole point of uh, what we like to do on Beauty Island is obviously talk about beauty is so much more than kind of yeah. just aesthetics or surface level. It, it shapes us in so many different ways. So no judgment and no need to apologize for anything that you do. In this <laughs> okay, I'll, 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 I'll. Oh, thanks. <laughs> when you, when we go back to kind of your, your childhood or early teenage years, what did you think that your your career or your life as an adult would hold what did you want to be when you grew up I didn't want to become a hairdresser it wasn't a thing to me I did want to become a um a cartoonist um I love drawing I was good at art and it would to me that's sort of where I wanted to go but like after talking to my mum and dad it was like not a career that they would actually allow me to be a part of some of my relatives were hairdressers and I used to see what an amazing life they had and I sort of like that. I like that they had a great life. Um, and then I just started working at the age of 14 and nine months and I just haven't stopped since. So 40 years later and I'm still doing what I really love. It was a hard thing in the beginning, but then one, in my 30s it was I really got serious about it. That's when my career just went boom in my 30s. So that was pretty um. Yeah, it was a longer haul, but it was one that I actually really wanted. And I did read that for you, it was always kind of seeking creativity rather than hair specifically, as you just mentioned there. Look, the thing is with hairdressing, people just think you go to work at nine o'clock and you leave at five o'clock and that you can do that. You can work into a, you can work in a salon and be that person. But then I just saw another world of editorial. I saw covers. I saw red carpet. I saw celebrity. I saw actors. Um, I saw Fashion Week. I saw a lot of things that in the school of hairdressing no one tells you about. So it was all about lifting up your ear and sort of going out there and seeing what there is in the branch of hairdressing. The more I looked, 
the more I found, oh, my God, this is what I really want to do. I want to do cover of magazines. And that's where the love of hairdressing um, became really strong for me, which was really cool. And obviously now you have had and continue to have such an incredible career full of amazing accomplishments. But before we get to those, tell me a bit about those early years breaking into the industry because I think it can be kind of easy to see you doing all the amazing things that you do now and forget that, you know, you've been doing this for 40 years. Oh, God, that was so hard. I did a lot of test shoots, which means you give every single minute of your time to photographers. You would come home and then you'd go on a photo shoot after work, put the kids to bed, you go to a photo shoot after work. You would literally do test shoots and you just play with hair and work on textures of hair. And then all of a sudden you put it, I would put a book together and then I would go to agencies and certain agencies would say, no, we don't want you. And then other agencies would say, we're a little bit interested. But the main That was really hard because all I wanted to do was editorial and I was getting so many knockbacks. But the way I got into that was going to Paris and working on Fashion Weeks and working on Colette Dinigan, Stella McCartney and working with people like Sam McKnight. The minute that was on my resume, that was it. That's when all the editors would want to work with you, like Vogue or Harper's, Marie Claire, all those magazines. So the And then the agents started coming. So... I had a I had about a five year whirlwind of the ego, the this, the that, and it really, it wasn't. It was a great thing, but it was a really not a good thing for my soul. And then it took a while for me to just sort of go, oh, it's just hair. I'm just a hairdresser. And then you just sort of some. I mean, coming home to my husband, he was like, you had to have a reality check, and he was my reality check. So, yeah, it was great. All of a sudden it was empty, then it was full, and then you just had to make it mellow, and that was the hard bit. So it was a lot of work after hours um, and just working and just creating, but the travelling then came in and that just got harder and harder and harder. So I'm sort of putting at least 30 years into one (laughs) now. So But the first great thing for me was... I'm not just opening up my salon. It was actually going to Paris Fashion Week and working with someone as great as Sam McKnight. And we we know Sam of his great work, but his beautiful products as well. And obviously throughout that time, you've done so many things from obviously working in in, in your salons to, to editorial and, and runway and Fashion Week, as you were saying there. Do you have a kind of area that you really particularly love or have a favourite over some of the others or are you quite evenly split in where in where your love lies? Yeah, that's, that's like asking me who my favourite son is. The way I can answer that is the one that speaks to me first. So if there's a great shoot going on, I'll put all my love and energies into that. If a great show comes, it's what comes at me and makes me makes my heart still beat. That's what I'm going to do and work hard at it. But I love the catwalk. I love red carpet. I love taking care of my um, my great clients that, walk the red carpet like Kate, Nicole, Hugh, like Naomi when they come to town and then there's other actresses that come to town they're not going to be coming now. I'm very limited with what I can do now. So at the moment I'm in love with my salon. But pre that it was catwalk, fashion week, being around that because it's creative and it's fun and they allow me to do something that I really love and the the trust. They're all my favourites but I do love 
fashion week. That's that's a huge one for me. Now, the third product on your list is kind of the thing that gives you a confidence boost or a signature look, which uh, I think, to no surprise to the people that know you, would be your pink hair for you. <laughs> and I love that that's become a bit of a signature for you. And obviously, we, we know that hair and beauty is all about creativity and expression. Uh, but tell me a bit about why the pink hair? Because I think there was a partic- you've had it for a long time and there was a particular reason why you started. Getting old. Um, okay, so I've, I've had that China black hair for since I was 19 years old. So I've got grey hair. I've had grey hair since a, a very, like a teenager. So I've always been tinting my hair. And then I've had this hair for, what, 10 years now. So I'm 54. So I've had this hair since I was, what, 44 years old. Um, the reason why I just, my skin was just, I was looking like a witch. I was looking like a woman called Elvira. Do you, do you remember Elvira? She was like that goth. Anyway, Google her, you'll die when you see her. I, I don't want to look like that. But it was quite goth. I didn't want to look like that. My skin was looking blue. So I just tried the balayage and I just looked really unattractive. I didn't like that. I just looked very, because um, I'm, I'm Greek background, my hair just threw a lot of orange and a lot of yellow. So it was that very ethnic colour that I didn't want. And then we just tried and we put like a peach through my hair. So I, I loved the peach and then the peach became pink and then the pink became candy pink. And then we sort of came to a really lovely, like uh, like a soft velvety, like a salmon rosy colour now. So I'm happy with this. But it does change its tone every couple of weeks, which I'm fine. But then I did blue, I did green, and they were the worst things. I felt like Marge Simpson, which is so, that was wrong.com. But now this is just, yeah, I'm happy with this because I can actually handle it. I can control it. It's not as aging as what black would have been or brown for my skin. I still feel youthful. I still feel modern. And it actually looks great with everything I wear. So I'm really happy with that. So, yeah, and it's better on my skin. I tried the bleach blonde. It just didn't, it just didn't happen for me. And I wonder as a hair expert, and I wonder if it has also changed throughout the years as well, did you ever feel, is there a certain pressure? Obviously your hair always needs to look good because people are coming to you for your hair. But is there necessarily a pressure to always be trying new things or are you just as much the rest of us just wanting to find the thing that suits you best? I do, but I find, um, okay, so I'll tell you what, I find hair now is at a standstill. We're just looking at Instagram hair. So no one's taking any, uh, no one's, no one's taking any, they're not, they're just not doing anything different. They're not taking any chances on their skin or their hair or anything. Whereas I come from a place where I love change. So if I'm going, if I'm able to change, then my client will change and my team will change. But I've found that we've been very stagnant in our look at the moment. There is no look now. You know what the 90s look like, the 80s, the 70s, the 60s, but the noughties, there is no look except for long hair balayage. And not every girl can have that. So I really believe in individuality and sort of having a change. But a lot of women are really scared to cut their hair, even just a fringe or a bang. And I'm like, guys, it'll grow. Like I swear in two weeks. But people are just scared. So I feel if I do it at my age, then they can do something. And it's just finding the strength in doing it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've am i got a lot of clients. They enjoy my change because they change with me, which is really good. I've got a very colourful salon. Everyone loves to change their colours, so I'm really happy with that. 
And that's such a good point about the look of the the noughties or the twen- or yeah. what will be the 20s. It's all been kind of the same thing for so long. You're so right. Yeah. Like we know the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Where's the rest? <laughs> I don't know. So I, I'm just saying like we've had the lob and I, that name, I just, I re, I reinvent, I redid it to, um, I call it the slant because it's, I don't mm. like the word lob because it just sounds like the blob. <laughs> I like it. When I talk to my clients, I always say, look, it's just going to be a bit of a slant. And they like that. So it's all about changing your words. But yeah, it is nice to change. Like I, I'm not talking about a perm or anything like that. But I just think women should just take a bit more risks in their hair, which is, not a bad thing it's a very form of freedom and strength and confidence which is great and while we're kind of talking about inspiration where do you where do you get your inspiration on full inspired is you know we talked about those kind of defining hairstyles of certain decades is there a particular decade or style that you find particularly inspiring in your work I love the 70s I really thought women after the 60s the 70s it would just be I just love sexy do you know what I mean like everyone is sexy in my eyes but it's those little things that they can do with their hair just a bit of a fringe so their eyes can pop and a bit of a bit of makeup their cheekbones showing just the hair just um, below their chin their, their collarbone or just hitting the top of their breasts it's just I love hair that moves sexiness like I just that's what the 70s was to me so the curl the straight everything was quite um, romantic which I really really loved the next product on your list is kind of your holy grail or greatest discovery beauty products. And you have a few that you like. You've got the um, LXP Perfecting Cream. Yes, right? yes. It's very expensive, this one. The Luxe range is – so the thing was with, with SK2, I, I used to travel a lot to Asia with Kate Blanchett and really understand SK2. So SK2 has so many products, but they've got face cream for 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds, and 50 year olds and I've got the gold one it's like $500 a tub and I really hold that with like I don't use too much of that but my other favorite is Dr Spiller the other one the um, collagen cream so I go between the the luxe and the uh, collagen and then there's another one which I haven't written is Melanie Grant sells it it's beautiful it's four it's so expensive but it's so good and I didn't know how much it cost because a girlfriend gave it to me as a gift and I was just using it like water on my skin and then all of a sudden I had to go and buy it. I went, oh, my God, what is going on? But it does work. It's a beautiful product. So they would be the three that I really, really love. I love it. Love the sound of those. And you also said that you're kind of doing a mask every second day at the moment with Edible Beauty's Express Bloom of Youth. What do you like about that one? Um, Okay, so I put it on in the mornings. I'll put it on at about, say, 6 o'clock in the morning. I'm lying in bed. Instead of lying and just looking at my Instagram, I'll just put this mask on. And all of a sudden, I just feel my cheekbones getting cold. I just feel my skin getting tight. And it feels really icy and great. And then I just put like um, one of these creams on and I feel really good for the day. So it's like it's, it's like yoga for my skin, which is insane. 
So you have mentioned a few of the names that some of us might recognise of who you've worked with, people like Kate Blanchett, Nicole Kidman. You've worked with so many different celebrities and well-known figures and you kind of have, you're working with them in quite an intimate setting if you're getting ready them ready for red carpet or, or whatever it is. What's something about working with well-known people that might surprise the rest of us about what it's really like? That they're really funny. They've got a great sense of humour. They're, they're great mums. They're beautiful mums. I, I walk out of their homes and go, oh, my God, I feel like the worst mum on earth. They're just humbled. They're beautiful. Um, they're kind. They're generous. They're thoughtful. They're everything that people think about them, but they don't really think about them. They're, they're great wives. They're just normal. And it's really, really nice because you just walk in, it's like, they're just like your friends and they are and I've been with them since I was a kid and like for years I think I've been doing Nicole since she was 16 years old so I've got a great relationship with Nick just don't think people realize how funny they are and how lovely they are and how loyal they are they're just really lovely loyal people and I think a lot of actresses of that caliber are because they like the same people around them they want to have their tribe that stay loyal to them which is a really good thing and you know their hair and you know them and you, there are days where you that you know you can feel them that they don't want to talk and you get that. But as a hairdresser, I get that with my clients too. Sometimes they don't want to talk and you just don't talk. And then when they start talking to you, then you know to talk. So it's like they invite you in the conversation and you just have to go. You don't have to go, but you go with that, which is a really, it's a great thing. And there's that idea there, isn't there, that I can't remember the exact stat that I read, but it's something about how, you know, your hairdresser probably knows more secrets about you than your husband because it's just that that, yeah. that comfortable <laughs> atmosphere that you're kind of just yeah. just chatting. Oh, we do. We do, we see a lot of things. Uh, people think the hairdressers talk a lot, but we know when to shut up. <laughs> we, we, know what to, we know what to keep secret. We know what to say. So it's that balance of reading people, which is really important. And and training all my all my kids, that's one of the hardest things to teach them how to read people, how to read them, like if they sort of lift up their heads a little bit or just knowing when someone's happy or not happy or when someone looks in the mirror and you can see they're not happy, how are you dealing with it? So it's all about teaching the kids hair and how to read people, which is so important for just in general, you know. With your husband, Jim, you have obviously a number of salons in Sydney. When you kind of look back at things so far, what stands out as the kind of proudest achievement or the proudest moment of your career? That I'm still here, that I'm, I'm still here and I still love working. The proudest thing is seeing that I've actually got my children with me as well, ones at work. Um, the, the proudest thing was I got past the sad years. And the sad years, when I say that, are the years that I didn't know where I wanted to go. And that was, I'm glad I'm past that. And that would have been around 28, 29. So it's after you had your children and everything and you had the salon, but it still wasn't enough. And then you didn't know what you wanted. And then once you found what you loved, it was how to control it. So I think that is what I'm proudest of, that we've worked through that and still enjoying what we do, which is really important. And I think that's really important to acknowledge as well, because that's something I think happens to so many people, no matter what industry you work in, you know, 
yeah. as kind of life goes on and, and new chapters start trying to work out what it is that you're actually, well, that you I love and you want to do. Life is a process. There is no full stop. There is no right and no wrong. It's where your heart goes. And a lot of people just want a job, but they don't realise how much they've got to put into that job. Like, look at you. You're at home working because you love it and you know it makes you happy. There's, you're not a robot. And a lot of people just expect to go from A to B. There's a button you press and it's going to get you to C or to Z. But it's not that. It's you got to laugh, you got to cry, you've got to you've got to hurt, you've got to bleed, you've got to. All those emotions have to happen for you to get to a stage that you want to get to. It's not easy. And I love that. I was going to ask whether any of your children have followed you into the beauty industry. And you mentioned that one works with you, works along with you. He's a barber. He's a barber, which is good because he's he's opened up a totally different area of our business, which we never, we tried, but it just didn't work. But he's just come in now. He's just gone boom. He's made it work, which is great. And my other son is a physiotherapist. So totally different crew, but they're um, bodybuilding physio and the other one's the barber, which is, um, yeah. And they're all in Paddington, which I'm really happy about, which is good. Oh, I love that. I don't want to talk too much about the dreaded COVID-19 because it's all that we all (laughs) consuming us at the moment. But I do find it interesting how the role of beauty because of our access to or or limited access to during this time has kind of changed how we view it. What do you think this kind of time has made people realise about the importance of aspects of beauty, things like hair, about how it's really so much more than an aesthetic thing when, when you can't get it, how important it becomes to you. Yeah, I think because we're all at home and we're all, it's funny, it's women were hoarding our phones, were going crazy trying to get the clients in and we realised how important hair is to the point where they wanted us to send the colour home, which I really didn't want to do because they were just... The amount of clients that we have coming in now, COVID bad colours is insane. They're paying more money to fix their hair. We have to spend more time on them and their their price is sometimes triple what they would normally pay. But I think hair is so because it's it's on your body. It's your individuality. It's it's who you are. It's it's your point of difference. So hair, yeah, is very important. And when you find the right hairdresser, you need to stick by them. And if you want to change, you need to tell them. So hairdressing is very important. And yes, they did say that we were able to work from day one. So it's maybe even more important to um, a lot of people. So yeah, hair is pretty special. And it's a great career for a lot of kids out there. It's very soulful. It's very nice being able to change someone and make them feel good. Even if you change their hair from the middle to the side or from the side to the middle, it's incredible how different you look, just those little things. And as a hairdresser, you need to know at least 10 little things that make people feel special. And once you know that, then that's a lot of your work really done for you. You just got to know your clients and know, have three, four things in your head to be able to change your client. Just don't make your client feel bored or boring because that's you don't want to be that you just want something that looks beautiful happy putting putting on your clothes your makeup and you want to look beautiful you want to look special who doesn't want to look like that exactly the next product on your list is kind of the perfume that has 
a special memory for you, which for you is another Avon one, Honeysuckle, which I think reminds you of your grandmother. grandmother. But I was interested to read that I don't think, apart from this one obviously has memories for you, but you don't really wear perfume or you prefer to mix your own rather than having a scent. I haven't added in there, but I also love fig. And the only place I can get my fig is their oils. And you can only get it at Klein's in Melbourne. Do you know Klein's? So I get that scent up and now they put it on a roller. So you can put it as roller perfume, but it's quite intense. So I love that. I love bergamot. I love orange. I love mandarin. And I mix them and I put them in my hair, but I never use a perfume. The once, and that's a Jo Malone pomegranate noir, and that's about it. And that's very rare. I've got it here and it's empty, but I won't go and buy it. I prefer to go and buy the oils and put them in my hair. I don't like, I don't think I like the alcohol. It just lingers. I don't like it. Too powdery. When we talk about hair habits that we all have, what's kind of the most, the the habit that's most damaging or most frustrates you that you wish you could ban outright from people doing? Would it be at home dye after, oh, after that, COVID? That, do you, know, you know what's really sad? It took us so many years, so many years to really get the clients to understand us and value us and love hairdressing salons. It took us years and then COVID came and the clients have gone back to that. So, yeah, it would be that right now. But one thing I do want clients to really do is trim their hair, cut their hair because they're not cutting their hair. No one's giving their hair a good shape anymore. So that's one thing that really uh, bothers me that clients don't really go and get a good haircut. So, like, you should go to your salon every six weeks, but don't give a, don't get a full haircut. Just get the ends one time. The next time, just get the fringe. The next time, get the layer. Do a little bit, bit by bit. Don't get a full haircut. So you're always looking smart and it looks good. And people don't say, oh, my God, did you just cut your hair? You don't want to have that either unless it's a full bob or a short pixie haircut or something. But trims, trims and cuts are very important and treatments are very important. It's like, And I treat hair as I would skin. Would I do it to my skin? No. Then why should I do it to my hair? I don't want to damage. So that's how I treat it now. That's a really good attitude and reminder. We are obviously talking a lot about the skincare and beauty products that you love. Talking specifically hair, what kind of what are the hair products that you reach for on kind of a, an everyday basis or your your absolute go-tos? I know obviously you work with Weller and Dyson. So tell me about some of uh, those uh, favorite personal products. Always a dry shampoo for me because I do wash my hair once a week. So it's Dry Me, which is a great product from Weller. But I have to, without a doubt, I, I like my hair feeling like butter because it's bleached and it's got pink and it's it's gritty and it's. I love the Fusion. Fusion shampoo and conditioner is like amazing but then once you put the treatment on it, it makes your hair so easy to blow dry. So they would be that would be my gold luxe ice cream for my hair. So there they would be the Chanel for my hair. Those three products. And then I love the luxe oil at night. I put it in, I go to bed, it helps me sleep. And in the morning I've got that really lovely texture in my hair. So between putting I don't put mousses and I don't put gel, I put creams. Um, and dry shampoos and that's it and then a a really really good shampoo conditioner and treatment so yeah and I take them all overseas with me they travel where you go (laughs) they travel they travel the next products on your list are the ones that you always repurchase so we've got um, a few am and pm products that you love the marie veronique gentle retinol night serum 
and the vitamin C and E serum and then in the morning, in sorry for the, that latter one in the morning and then also the Osea Hyaluronic Serum. Tell me about why you love these three serums. Again, it's, it's winter now and um, my, my, my body's going through menopause, so I'm dehydrated. And I try to drink a lot of water, and I do drink a lot of water, but my skin still is dehydrated. So these really know how to nourish my skin. So during the day, being in the salon, air-conditioned all day, it really feels soft and moist. And then I do spray. I use the SK2 Facial Treatment Essence. I put that in, in my bag in a spray, and I just spray it every hour. So every time I go to check my phone, I spritz my face. And it just makes my hair skin feel really, really nourished and soft. Look, I can't fight age, but I can at least control the dryness. And that is really important to me when I touch my skin. It doesn't feel like a sand, it doesn't feel like sandpaper. It feels like skin. So that's really important to me. I actually have a lot of products. Oh God. <laughs> no, not bad at all. Reading previous interviews you've done and talking to you today, it's obviously clear that family is something that is really important to you. So we've talked a lot about beauty and hair. Outside of those, where do your passions lie as well? What does kind of an ideal Sunday look like to you? What would you be doing as kind of your dream Sunday that combines all the things that you love? Okay, Sunday starts off sleeping in a little bit until about 830 then I go to the local shop and do all my groceries, which is really, I love that. It's quite therapeutic. I love cooking. I love baking. I love making food and putting in the freezer for the week because I, I'm working every day. I always like to have food ready. Then I do a little bit of, I love Glenmore Road. I love going to Glenmore Road and just supporting all the stores there. Um, then I do a bit of a sneaky, I go into the city and I'll go to David Jones, or I'll do something there. Um, I actually like time for me. Like I, I like time out for me. And then and on a Sunday night, I might go to the movies with my husband, we might go and see my, my family. But I'm at that stage where I just want to be home and I just want to spoil me. For so many years I've been spoiling my boys. I just want time out for me, which is, I, it's just, I'm just enjoying being at home. I, my home's my haven. And look, I always love going and buying flowers and I always go back to the salon on a Sunday and I put the flowers out ready for Monday. I still love going in there and just making sure it looks beautiful for the team when they walk in on Mondays. So that's really important to me. What is the best piece of career advice you've either learnt along the way or, or been told that always you come back to or, or stands out to you? Just the easy ones. If you If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always gotten. Some people get it and some people don't understand it. It's I'm pretty impatient. If I, I'm not a gunner, I'm a doer. When people say, what are you going to do? I try not to tell them because I feel like I'm in that gunner situation. I'd rather do it and say I've done it. So I like to, I don't like telling people my dreams unless I've done them. I don't like to talk. I like to walk. It's just do it. Don't waste your time in saying you're going to do something. Just do it. And I think that's what I've had to do all my life. The minute you say to people, I'm going to do this, and they've got to wait for it, then I just feel like I've disappointed them. Whereas I like to do it straight away and then it's done and then I've achieved what I've wanted to achieve and then I go to the next one, I go to the next one. So the more I do, the better it is because creatively I have to get it out of my head. The minute it's out of my head, I go to the next thing. I think that's how my life with hairdressing's always been especially editorially if I do an ed a photo shoot that's done 
that idea is gone. Now I'm going to the next idea. And that's how I, I, I really sort of, I don't know, that's how I rule my life. And especially Fashion Week, when I work with Zimmerman girls, we create textures. So I move, I'll do that beautiful texture. Then next season, I'll do another texture. But then I'll come back and show my team how I've done that texture. So it's like a fashion fad. So I just make sure we're always doing something different with the clients, which is um, really important to us, which is what the clients are paying for, which is our eye and our craft. The final product on your list or, or set of products is the ones that you would trust with your life. So you've got your Foreo cleansing brush, your Gua Sha yeah. Amethyst tool, and the Dr. Spiller collagen cream that you mentioned earlier. Why are these your go-tos? Okay, so with the Foreo cleansing, I feel so clean. <laughs> I feel like every bit of pore has been opened and cleansed which is great and the the Shah amethyst tool is just it's great because it just moves all the lymph it's the lymph nodes it just pushes them all away and you feel like you've just had an instant facelift and then when you put that collagen cream on it's like boom this is the shortcut of my life within the beauty so all the other stuff is the long way and this is the quick 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 bang 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 these are the things that I do really fast and easy and I feel really good. And then I put the prep of all the makeup on. So I've got a whole another lot of makeup that I've got everywhere in my room. So I, I'm really into now all glitters on my eyes and all the Pat McGrath. So I try and make my skin as soft and beautiful as possible. And then I can put like an orange eyeshadow or a hot pink or something and it feels special. So, yeah, the skin is really important because I do love makeup. So if you want to put nice makeup on, your skin has to be prepped really well, which is really important. And I use the Charlotte Tilbury Magic Cream before I put my makeup on. So that's that's a great thing just to have. And I read that she, I read an interview that you did that she actually, Charlotte Tilbury actually gave you a mascara personally. I haven't, I haven't even touched it. It's in my box. So I did, I directed four shows. She was the key makeup artist for Assassin Bide in New York. And she the first ever was from, I've still got it in its box over you know, in my cupboard. I won't touch it. So I bought everything to marry that. But yeah, it's it's very special. And she still emails me. She still texts me and she still talks to me on Instagram. So yeah, we, everyone with this Instagram, it's a great thing because people still are awe of each other. And we still talk to each other, Sam McNutt, myself and her, which is, yeah, it's a great thing. But her, her products are number one. Why don't we have them here? Why don't we have them in Australia? It's so frustrating, isn't it, that there's no Charlotte Tilbury counter we can go to? No, because I go to Selfridges, there's like three. There's nothing here. So I, I, it's crazy that we don't have it here. 2020 and we don't have Charlotte Tilbury in our country. <laughs> That's insane. Outrageous. <laughs> but we got COVID. Yeah. Um, obviously, there would be so many people who look up to you, but I'm really curious about who you feel has really shaped or inspired you. That could be either personally or professionally. My clients really inspire me a lot. The actresses that I work with, they've taught me a different way. They're very quite, they're quite graceful. They're quite, they're humbled, which is really important. Just valuing and respecting people is really important to me and doing your job as much as you, as well as you can. So there's, no one can say anything. But um, my mom, like, I know it sounds like oh, everyone says their mother, but she is one of the most important people in my life. Um, you always go back to the ones that make you feel good. My mum makes me feel good. Um, my clients always make me feel good. Um, 
but the main people I source for creative energy would be people like Sam McKnight still. I look at Eugene Solomon, my peers. But Instagram really helps you understand a lot of, there's a lot of great headdresses out there. And you look at their work and you just go, wow. But, yeah, I get inspired every day. Just look, even on Instagram, everything. I just, fashion designers, everyone. So, yeah, I've got lots of people around me. I'm very lucky like that. We come to the final question, which some say is the hardest one, which is of all the products that you have told me about today, if you could take just one with you to Beauty Island, and it doesn't have to be practical, it can be for nostalgia or for what the product represents, or you can go down the practical route if you like, which one of your chosen products would you take with you to your desert island? I definitely the collagen, Dr. Spiller. That's it. You I knew it straight away. <laughs> it automatically makes me feel good. It's I, I love it. If I could put it around my on my body, I would definitely do that. But Dr. Spiller's collagen cream is number one for me. Okay. You have a never-ending supply of Dr. Spiller's collagen cream going with you to Beauty Island. I've got about four in the house, actually, which is crazy. You're set. <laughs> so I've got them all over the house. I've got them in my travel kit. I've got them in my, my, my car kit. I've got them in my – I've got them everywhere. So, yeah, I'm, I'm spoilt like that. It's bad. That's where I spend all my money on my beauty cream. It's <laughs> clothes. It's actually not clothes. It's actually on skincare. That's I'm addicted to that. Aren't you? A, a worthy investment, I think, as you said. Oh. Looking after your skin. So many, so many good benefits from that. Yeah. It, look, you have to look at the mirror. Look with me. I look at the mirror all day with clients. When I'm cutting clients out, I look up. I go, Oh God, that old face again. So I have to take care of my skin because I'm looking at it all day. It's like, oh, shit. That's true, actually. You're, you're yeah. constantly seeing your reflection all day. And then you're with young girls all day. <laughs> no, it's true because you're with young girls all day. You're looking at yourself in the mirror and you're like, oh, God, not again. So, you, yeah, it's important to take care of my skin. It's very important to me. Renya, thank you so much for taking us through your career and beauty moments and significant beauty products. It has been so delightful and I have learned so much as well. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Beauty Island with the wonderful Renya Zaitis. You can find where to follow her and, of course, a full list of all the products that she mentioned in today's episode in the show notes. If you fancy chatting more beauty, you can find me on Instagram at Beauty Island Podcast or my personal beauty account at Brittany Beauty BTS, where I post a lot more regularly sharing products I'm loving and talking about all aspects of beauty culture. As I mentioned, you can also sign up to my regular beauty newsletter, It's a beauty for my beauty column reviews and recommendations straight to your inbox. If you enjoyed this interview, may I recommend some other Beauty Island episodes you can enjoy, including my chat with Chrissy Zamora earlier in this season. Chrissy is also a fantastic hairdresser and actually a former hairdresser and mentee of Renier. She owns her own salon now, Zamora Salon, and she is a wonderful hairstylist and inclusive hairdressing advocate. On the makeup side of things, why not listen to my interview with Michael Brown from a few seasons ago. He is a celebrity makeup artist who has worked with countless well-known faces, including uh, Jacinta Franklin, who he works with regularly. So if you did enjoy this episode, 
have a scroll through and listen to Chrissy and Michael's episode. I very much think you will enjoy it. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, bye-bye.